Junior Church may be dismissed. If you'll stand with me all over this house today, our Junior Church may be dismissed. As we turn to the Word of the Lord, stand in reverence to the Word of God today if you're able. I'll turn your attention today to the book of 1 Samuel, the 21st chapter, 1 Samuel the 21st chapter, I want to bring to this body today something that was illuminated to me by the Spirit of the Lord as I was reading. This just really just stood out to me and I could feel an unction from the Lord to minister on this subject today. If you'll turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, the 21st chapter. Amen. I wonder if before we begin reading the word of the Lord, if we could give the Lord another hand clap of praise for all of our visitors, all of those that we haven't seen for a while. It's so wonderful, amen, to see you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let me tell you something. If every seat in this church is full and you're not here, your seat is still empty. The Lord has a special place for you designated in his house. Amen. And I'm so thankful that we have the privilege today to come to the presence of the Lord. What you have experienced is nothing short of the the tabernacle experience of what happened behind the Holy of Holies. When the blood of a sacrificed animal was sprinkled upon the holy seat and the Shekinah glory of God would come down and and hit the ark of the covenant, the mercy seat that set upon it and the glory of God would just be spread throughout that place behind that veil. Aren't you glad that that veil has been rent today? Aren't you glad that we can come to the presence of the Lord and feel His Shekinah glory in this place today? Hallelujah. Turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, the 21st chapter. Amen. I want to share with you what the Lord has placed on my heart today. When you get to 1 Samuel 21, shout out yes. Amen. 1 Samuel 21, we're going to read verse 1 through verse 10. If you got your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, it's text is provided for you upon the screen behind me. Amen. The word of the Lord says that then came David. Now I want you to understand before I continue reading here that David, many things have transpired in the life of David leading up to this point. David is currently on the run from King Saul. His life is in danger. His glory, his fame, his fortune has been taken away. He is nothing but a dog on the run in fear of his life. And we find ourselves reading in the text at one of the lowest points of King David's life. Amen. And the Bible says that as he was running from Saul, then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David. And he said unto David, Why art thou alone? Why, David, art thou alone and no man with thee? A man that was of high esteem and as important as David was did not travel alone. The priest could discern in his spirit something was wrong with David when he came to the house of the Lord. And it struck fear in the heart of the priest. And he said, David, why art thou alone? And no man is with thee. David said unto Ahimelech the priest, he said, the king hath commanded me to a business. And the king hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee. What I have commanded thee, David, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. This is why I'm alone. This is why 
I'm by myself. Verse 3 says, Now therefore, what is under thine hand? What do you have for me to eat, Ahimelech? Can you give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what is their present? And the priest answered unto what would soon be King David. And he said, There is no common bread under my hand. I don't have any regular bread, David, but there is hallowed bread. There is hallowed bread. And if the younger men that are with you have kept themselves at least from women. David answered the priest and he said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days. Since I came out, the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in a manner common. Yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. The Bible says in verse 6, So the priest Ahimelech gave David hallowed bread. There was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now, a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day. He was detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edenite, the chiefest of the herdsmen that belonged to Saul. David saw Doeg, and he said unto Ahimelech, He said, Is there not here under thine hand a spear or a sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. The priest said, The sword, I want you to pay attention. This is where I'm going to hang my hat for a few moments this early afternoon. And David said unto I'm sorry, verse 9. And the priest said unto David, verse 9, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah. Behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. And if thou wilt, David, take it. If thou wilt, David, take it. For there is no other save that here. And David said, David said to Ahimelech, There is none like this sword. There is none like this sword. Please give this sword to me. Ahimelech gave the sword to David. And the Bible says in verse 10, David arose and David fled that day for fear of Saul. And he went to Ashish, the king of Gath. With the help of the Lord and with the support of this body, I want to minister to you today on this thought. What the Philistine could not see. What this Philistine, (laughs) I feel the Holy Ghost today. What this Philistine could not see. See, I want you to lay your Bibles down in your seat. Before you're seated, let's lift the roof on this place with some praise unto the Lord all over this house. Come on, come on, it's a well-deserved praise. Come on, the Lord has moved in our midst today. The Lord has touched us. The Lord has embraced us. The Lord has moved amongst us in this place today. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise today. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise today. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Bless your word today. Let it fall on good ground. Let it be multiplied in the hearts of your people. Let it lift up our heads. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. Amen. You may be seated today. I want to minister to you for a few moments on this subject. What the Philistine could not see. 
We are living, church, in the best of times. And at the same time, we are living in the worst of times. Now, those of you that would say that that is contradicting would say that the Bible contradicts itself. But the Bible does not contradict itself. And there are many educated idiots that would tell you that David is not the one who killed Goliath. But David was the one who killed Goliath. Amen. And we read in the Word of God, it tells us that David was the one that killed Goliath. And we are living in the best of times, and we are living in the worst of times. We are living in confusing times. We are living in desperate times. We are living in perilous times. But let me tell you something. God's economy is not our economy. And while the world is going to hell in a handbasket, the house of God may be full today. And while people are losing their way, God's people are gaining their way. And while people are losing their mind, the church is letting this same mind be in them, which was also in Christ Jesus. So while we're in the worst of times, for the church, it's the best of times. Praise God. There's nothing like a harvest Amen. While we were worshiping just a few moments ago, I was thinking, Lord, you've blessed me to experience a lot of things in my life. But I can truly say today, there is nothing that even comes close to comparing to watch somebody receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Man, I'm telling you, to see someone filled and inhabited and moved into by the Spirit of the living God. Man, I'm telling you, it does something to me that no gain in this whole world could ever do. Man, I love to see people touched by the mighty hand of God. Church, we're living in the worst of times, but for the church, it is the best of times. And in our world where confusion abounds, Perception is becoming more increasingly important. How many know that the lens through which you view things matters? Come on. Come on. It matters whether you see the glass as half empty or half full. And in a world where confusion abounds, it does matter, and it's becoming even more increasingly important the way that you perceive things. Our failure to see the much larger picture will result in us getting caught up in the right here and the right now. Can I tell you, God has a much bigger plan than the right here and the right now. Let me tell you something. We're all sitting in the house of the Lord today. We've all enjoyed the presence of the Lord today. It's been a wonderful gathering. It's been a wonderful time together. But God has so much more for us than the right here and the right now. Amen. What God is doing behind the scenes, what God is orchestrating, what God is arranging, there is a much larger picture for your life today. And getting caught up in the right here and the right now, amen, uh, will, will cause you to fall short of what God has for you in your life. Amen. Even as I speak, church, there's a battle going on in this sanctuary. There's a battle for your family. There's a battle for your mind. There's a battle for your heart. There's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your life in Christ. Let me tell you something. There's evil forces that are working against you. There are evil forces that want you to see things the way you shouldn't see them. There are evil forces that want to steal what God has in store for you in your life today. Even as I speak, the battle is raging in the life of God's people today. Battle for your heart, a battle for your mind. Can I tell this assembly today that God's plans are much larger than the right here and the right now? Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a bigger plan. God has a bigger plan. Amen. In our text today, God has a much larger plan 
to raise David up to be the king of Israel. While King Saul simultaneously continues his downward spiral away from the Lord. While David is being raised up and while David is being tested and while David's faith is being tried, Saul is on a downhill descent. Saul's on a downhill spiral. Saul has allowed disobedience to creep into his life. He's allowed uh, 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 an unwillingness to listen to God, an unwillingness to listen to the man of God, the priest of God in his life, and it's caused Saul to go on a downhill spiral. Amen. And and we see that as God is raising David up, Saul is, or God is sitting Saul down. And the tension between uh, the future King David, now anointed by God as the future king of Israel, the tension between him and King Saul is building and it's raising and, it, and it's getting more contentious, the jealousy, the hatred for God's anointed is becoming more of a reality in the mind of a disobedient king, a king that doesn't want God's plan for Israel, a king that's only considering himself, a king that wouldn't wait on the man of God to offer an offering unto the Lord. He wanted to offer it himself. And in his heart and in his mind, jealousy and hatred is raging for the man that God has called to be his king. And it's, and it's, and it's troubling Saul. And it's eating at Saul. And it's keeping Saul awake at night. And can I tell you, we didn't arrive at this place in the text overnight. We didn't get here in a moment, but these things have been happening. These things have been coming to pass, and many things have led us to this point. First of all, the children of Israel wanted to be like the rest of the world. They weren't content with the priest. They weren't content with a judge. They weren't content for just hearing from the Lord, every man for himself. They wanted a king. They wanted a man to make a decision for their life. They wanted a man to look up to and to put on a pedestal. So the Lord gave them exactly what they wanted. Can I tell you, you better be careful what you ask God for because he just might give you what you ask for. The, the children of Israel wanted a king in their life. They seen all of the nations surrounding them. They had kings. They had men that they esteemed highly and men that they put on pedestals. And, and, and the Lord said, all right, you want a king? You're not going to listen to my judge. You're not going to listen to my prophets and my priests. I'm going to give you a king. So Samuel anoints Saul as the first king of Israel. And the children of Israel wanted a king, so God gave them a king. And Saul was Israel's first king, and he had the opportunity to be a great king. How I many know we all have opportunity today to be great? We all have opportunity today to fall in line with God's will for our life. The question is, are we going to do it? The question is today, are we willing to obey the Lord? Are we willing to listen to the Lord when he speaks into our life, regardless of what it is that he may say? Are we willing to put God first in our life? Saul had the opportunity to be a great king, but his head got too big. Saul got too impatient. He thought he could do what he wanted to do. He thought he didn't need to listen to the man of God in his life. Come on, sounds just like the world that we're living in today. Come on, people are wise in their own eyes. People's heads are big. People want to do whatever they want to do, regardless of what God's word says for them to do. They want to do whatever they want to do. They don't need to listen to God. They don't need to listen to the man of God. They don't need to go to church. All they got to do is believe. Sounds just like the world that we're living in today. God knew that Saul was disobedient. So he tells Samuel to go down 
quit mourning. Samuel was sitting around boohooing like a big old baby, whining and crying for Saul because he was the one who anointed Saul and made him the first king over Israel. And one day the Lord got real stern. How many know sometimes the Lord don't have a choice but just to get a little bit stern with us? How many know sometimes we sit around feeling sorry for ourselves? Sometimes we sit around boo-hooing for ourselves. Woe is me all the time. Lord, everybody's against me. Lord, nothing is good in my life. And finally the Lord said, Samuel, knock it off. Stop sitting around boo-hooing for that disobedient king and let him go his way. I've got a new man. I've got a new man. I want you to take a, I want you to go down to Bethlehem and I want you to find me a new king. And Samuel tells the Lord in prayer, he says, but Lord, you don't understand. If I go down to Bethlehem to find a new king, or if I go down to Jerusalem to find a new king, He said, Lord, what's going to happen is Saul's going to know that I'm going down there to get a new king, and he's going to kill me. So the Lord tells Samuel, he said, you take a heifer with you, and you go down there, and you make an offering unto the Lord. And Saul's going to think you're just making an offering to the Lord, and while you're down there, I'm going to give you a king to anoint. So Samuel obeys the Lord, and he goes back down to Jerusalem and begins to examine the sons of Jesse. And uh, as he's examining, as he's sorting through the sons of Jesse, the Lord speaks to him and he says, he's the one. First, he's going through the sons of Jesse and he's looking on their stature and he's looking on their height and he's looking on their build And the Lord tells him, he says, don't look on their height and don't look on their stature. God looks on that all of, or man looks on all of that stuff, but God looks on the heart. And he tells tells him, he says, there's got to be another. And Samuel says to Jesse, he says, this can't be all of your sons. He says, well, that's all of my sons. The only one I got left, he's but a boy. Jesse, or Samuel says, where's he at? And he says, he's out tending to the sheep. And Samuel says, go get him and bring him to me. And as they sorting through the sons of Jesse and little ruddy David comes along and as he comes before Samuel, the spirit of the Lord tells Samuel, says, that's him. That's him. Samuel in his confused state of mind is like, Lord, what are you doing? He's, he's but a boy. He's but a boy. He's ruddy. He's inexperienced. He's not big enough. He's not tall enough. And the Lord says, quit looking at all of that stuff. You don't see his heart. I see his heart. I see his faith. I see what he's going to be, Samuel. And he says, anoint him. And the Bible says that Samuel takes a horn of oil and he pours it on David's head. And he anoints David. He anoints David that day in the presence, the Bible says, of his brothers. And once David is anointed, the trying of his faith begins. The Bible tells us that David's father makes him a shepherd over his sheep. One day while he's out tending to the sheep, a lion comes out to to take the sheep. David kills the lion. And then another day while David's out tending to the sheep, a bear comes out to take the sheep. The Spirit of the Lord empowers David to kill the bear. And then one day of the Philistines had set the battle in array against the children of Israel. And the Philistines send out their champion warrior. His name was Goliath. He was a Philistine from Gath about whom which I am speaking to you today. When Goliath walked onto that battlefield, he was so big, he was so tall, he was so loud, he was so strong that everybody in the camp of the children of Israel were trembling. They were trembling. They were rattled. Everybody was wondering, what in the world are we going to do? 
Who in the world is going to go out and fight this giant of a man? They saw Goliath as an insurmountable obstacle. But David saw something different. David saw something different than what everyone else saw. The masses saw an invincible warrior in Goliath, but David saw an uncircumcised Philistine. (laughs) Come on. David didn't see Goliath like everybody else saw him. They saw an adversary too big to challenge, but David saw a target too big to miss. My God. David saw a target That was too big to miss. And I'm convinced today that David knew that the anointing of God could do what he wanted with that slinger stone. Amen. You see, it wasn't uncommon. You know, people think about David and Goliath and they say, oh, what a what an amazing story. How could that possibly be? A young boy could kill a giant of a man. Let me tell you something, those, those, uh, those people who were skilled in what they called slinging in those days, those people, those boys, those men, they were known to be able to take that slingshot, Brother Doug. They were able to whip that thing, and they were able to let a stone go and knock birds out of the air. Come on. Archaeologists have discovered slinger stones the size of a tennis ball. And those slingers were able to sling those stones at a hundred mile over a hundred miles an hour. Let me tell you something that stone in the hand of God's anointed. Traveling over a hundred miles an hour, David knew exactly what he was about to do. Let me tell you something. Goliath had a better chance to be shot in the head with a Smith and Wesson 45 than to be hit in the head by God's anointed with a slinger stone. Because David knew that the battle belonged to the Lord. David knew that the battle belonged to the Lord. Amen. This was not an insurmountable obstacle. This was a target that was too big to miss. God had anointed him. God had called him. He had slew the lion. He had slew the bear. The Lord's anointing was upon David, and David saw Goliath through a different lens than everybody else. When they looked at Goliath, they saw humiliation. They saw defeat. They saw cowering down. But David looked at Goliath and he saw certain victory. Come on, Goliath wasn't looking through the same lens as David. No, Goliath wasn't looking through the same lens as David. And what I want to speak to you about today is what Goliath did not see. Goliath wasn't looking through the same lens as David. Goliath saw a little ruddy boy. Goliath saw a defenseless child. Goliath saw a scared people running. Amen. Scared and tucked away. But listen, what's more important than what the Philistine did see is what the Philistine did not see today. And what the Philistine did not see was God's anointing upon David's life. God's anointing upon David's life. And let me tell you something. Though all hell assail you today, what the devil don't see is God's anointing upon your life. Come on, though all hell assail me, I shall not be moved. I'm like a tree that's planted by river of living water. What's important today is what that Philistine did not see. He did not see the anointing of God upon David's life. Come on, he did not see The anointing of God upon that boy's life. Yeah, he was, but a boy. Yeah, he was ruddy. Yeah, he was young. Yeah, he was inexperienced, but he was anointed. But he was anointed. And what that Philistine did not see was God's anointing upon that boy's life. And what that Philistine did not see was he was messing with God's prophet. Come on. He was messing with God's prophet. What that Philistine uh, did not see was God said, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. And what that Philistine did not see, amen, 
was that David would be a man after God's own heart. And even though David would make some mistakes along the way, his faith in God would stand the test of time. Will your faith in God stand the test of time? Come on, will your faith in God stand the test of time? Can I tell you something? A lot of things transpired. It was nearly 15 years from the time that David was anointed to be king by Samuel when he took that horn of oil and he poured that oil over the head of David. It was nearly 15 years before David became the king of the children of Israel. David was tested. David was tried. All hell tried to stop David because God's anointing was upon him. You better hear this preacher today. Just because you're anointed does not mean you're not going to be tested. You better hear this preacher today. When you're anointed, that means you are going to be tested. Come on, somebody. You better hear this preacher today. When God anoints you, it means you will be tested. It means hell is coming for you. Hell's going to try to stop you. Hell's going to try to destroy your family. Hell's going to try to stop you. Just because you're anointed today doesn't mean you don't need a prayer room. When God anoints you, you need a prayer room even more. Come on. God, just because you're anointed doesn't mean you don't need God to remove the curse off of your finances. When you're anointed, you need God more to remove the curse off of your finances. Because the enemy's going to tempt you. The enemy's going to try you. And the greater the anointing, the greater the attacks. Church, it didn't matter how long David had been anointed. He still needed the house of God. In our text, we see that David is running from King Saul. It appears his life is in shambles. He knows that he is God's anointed. He knows that the Spirit of the Lord has moved upon him. He knows that God empowered him to kill the lion and to kill the bear. He knows he could not have killed that Philistine without the Spirit of the Lord divinely orchestrating that slinger stone. But for 15 years, David is tested. David is tried. And man, it didn't matter how long David had been anointed, he still needed the house of the Lord. He still needed the bread of the presence of God. He still needed the sword of the Spirit in his life. Listen, so David's running from, for his life from King Saul. And guess what he decides to do? He decides to go to the house of the Lord. May that be an example to us today. When all hell's assailing you, it ain't time to not go to the house of the Lord. It's time to go to the house of the Lord. When you're in, when your friends turn their back on you, it ain't time to stop going to the house of the Lord. It's time to go to the house of the Lord. When your mind is deceiving you, it ain't time to stop going to the house of the Lord. It's time to go to the house of the Lord. Come on. It's time to make your way to the house of the Lord. People turn their back on you. It ain't time to stay away from the house of the Lord. It's time to go to the house of the Lord. David came. David had enough sense to go to the house of the Lord. David came to that holy place lonely. David came to that holy place by himself. David came to that holy place broken. David came to that holy place hungry and defenseless. But he didn't leave that way. (laughs) He came. He was a mess, but he didn't leave that way. He came hungry and defenseless, but he left full and equipped. Come on, he left with the bread of the presence of God and the sword of Goliath in his hand. Come on. Come on, David comes to the house of the God, uh, house of the Lord and he's broken, he's defenseless, he's hungry, but he left full and equipped. Like David, we also come to God's sanctuary for bread and for a sword. We come to the house of the Lord to be fed and to be equipped. 
We come to the house of the Lord so the Lord can make us what he wants us to be. We come to surrender our brokenness. We come to surrender our loneliness. We come to surrender our confusion so that God can transform us by the renewing of our mind. Come on. We come so this same mind can be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus. We come to the house of the Lord for bread and for a sword because nothing else is going to give you victory over your enemy. Nothing else but the word of the Lord is going to give you victory over your enemy. Can I tell you today, it takes the word of God to save your soul. It takes the word of God to set you free. It takes the word of God to empower you. Nothing else is going to bring conviction in your life. Nothing else is going to bring you to a place of repentance in your life to recognize just how much you need the Lord. It's the preaching of the cross that brings us to a place of repentance. Church, what Goliath did not see, he was messing with God's anointed The Bible says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works, what he hath done. Remember his wonders. Remember the judgments of his mouth. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Sometimes we need to be reminded how encouraging it must have been. I was thinking this morning as I was reading in the text about David, when the, when the priest Ahimelech told him, he said, I don't have anything here except for the sword of Goliath. I can imagine, I can see David's eyes light up. I, I, I can envision a broken man perk up when he said, I don't have a sword here. The only thing I got is the sword of Goliath, all of a sudden in David's brokenness, his mind begins to go back about the delivering power of the mighty God. He remembers the valley of Elah. He remembers stepping out on the battlefield. He remembers God empowering him and God directing that stone as it hit the forehead of that giant. And all of a sudden, a broken, come on, a broken man, a distraught man, a man that's lonely, a man that's hungry, a man that's weak, all of a sudden he perks up and he says, there's no sword like that sword. Give it to me. That sword reminds me of where God brought me from. That sword reminds me of the victory that God gave me in the valley of Elah. He said, there's no sword Like that sword. Come on. What the Philistine did not see was he was messing with God's anointed. Come on. How encouraging it must have been. How David's eyes must have lit up. How David's mind and his heart must have perked up. How how despondency must have been replaced with joy and strength when that priest said, I don't have anything here but the sword of Goliath. And David said, thank you, Lord, for reminding me of your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me you're able to deliver me. Come on, Saul's no different than Goliath. God, if you delivered me from that giant of a man, you can deliver me from this king. Thank you, Lord, for helping me not forget your promises. Thank you, Lord, for helping me not forget your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me that you're able to deliver me out of the hands of my enemies. I can imagine David perking up and saying, man, there's no sword like that sword. Just give me that sword. David came to the house of the Lord. He was broken. He was hungry. He was tired. He was running for his life. But in the house of God, he found what he needed. And let me tell you something, every child of God sitting under the sound of my voice today, what you need today, God has for you. What you need today, God has for you. Let me tell you, sometimes you just need to be reminded of the victories that God has given you in your life. Sometimes you just need to be reminded where God has brought you from. Sometimes you need to be reminded of the delivering power of the hand of God today. Oh, let's clap our hands unto the Lord and give him some praise today.
David's at one of his lowest moments in his life. He's running scared for his life because Saul wants to kill him. David's tired. Is anybody tired? Come on, David's tired. Is anybody tired? David's weak. Is anybody weak? Come on, David's hungry. Is anybody hungry in the house of the Lord today? David is feeling all alone. Has anybody ever felt all alone? But David found what he needed in the house of God. And you're going to find exactly what you need in the house of God. And in the, there, even in the house of God, David sees Doeg. For Pete's sakes, man, I can't even go to the house of God and get away from the enemy. I can imagine what David said. I can't even go to see the priest. I can't even go to see the man of God without the enemy not leaving me alone. Come on, has the enemy ever showed up on anybody at the house of God? Let me tell you something, the devil's bold enough to show up right here for you. But let me tell you something, he don't have no dominion here. He might show up here, but he ain't going to accomplish what he comes to say and accomplish here because he don't have no dominion here. This is the house of God, and God will deliver us here. And we're going to get what we need here. Let me tell you something, David's enemy even showed up at the house of God for Pete's sake. He couldn't even get away from Saul in the house of the Lord. How encouraging, how encouraging it must have been for David to hold that sword in his hand. Can I tell somebody under the sound of my voice today, sometimes you just need to go back and pick up what God did for you. Sometimes you just need to remember where he brought you from. Sometimes you got to go back to the valley of Elah. Sometimes you need to pick up the sword of Goliath in your life. Everybody in this house has a sword of Goliath in their life. There's something in your life that God has delivered you some. There's something in your life that God has done for you. And you just need to pick it up and say, there's nothing like this. God did this for me. God did this for me. Come on. What that Philistine did not see was not only was God's anointed going to knock him to the ground with a divinely directed projectile, but he was going to come over and he was going to step on his chest. He was going to pull his sword out of his sheath and he was going to cut that Philistine's head off with his own sword. Come on. What that Philistine didn't realize was decades down the road, a decade, multiple years down the road, the Lord needed that sword to encourage David at one of his lowest points in his life. Ah, God. What you don't realize is what you went through way back when. The Lord, need, the Lord knew you needed it. The Lord knew you needed it. The Lord knew you was going to pick it up and say, there's nothing like the delivering power of God. There's nothing like where God brought me from. I remember when I was in that shape. I remember when I was in that place. I remember when I was lost. I remember when I was depressed. I remember when I was a drunkard. I remember when I was an addict. But God, but God, give me the sword of Goliath. There's nothing like the sword of Goliath. Give me that sword. It reminds me of where God brought me from. It reminds me of what God did for me. Every victory God has ever given you, it wasn't just for then, it's for now. Come on, I'm not telling you to lean upon your accomplishments. I'm not telling you to only live in the past. But I'm telling you at your lowest moment, God can use what he brought you from to encourage your soul today. God can use what he did for you to encourage you. But Carl, your family needed the sword of Goliath. They needed to be able to look back and say, he brought her off that ventilator. Oh, my God, Sister Sabrina, the Lord knew you needed those miscarriages. 
The Lord knew you needed those things to look back and say, I was broken, but look what God has done for me today. Sister Mariah, the Lord knew you needed that heart, that heart uh, operation. The Lord knew you could look back and say, look what God has done for me. Every one of you got a sword of Goliath in your life. Every one of you got a sword of Goliath in your life. You need to pick that thing up. Sister Hope, come on, Sister Hope. Listen, the Lord knew that she needed that sword of Goliath when the Lord, when the Lord gave her husband a sound mind. <laughs> Brother Corey, it's a sword of Goliath, sir. Pick it up and hold it high. The Lord did that for you. The Lord delivered you. The Lord gave you a new mind. It's the sword of Goliath. It's remembering the things that God has done for you. Sister Debbie, the Lord knew that you would see those friends. Amen. And they would remind you of how God delivered you from that alcohol. It's the sword of Goliath in your life. The Lord knows exactly what we need. Sometimes we don't understand the valley of Elah. Sometimes we don't understand why we got to face giants in our life. Sometimes we don't understand why we got to go and deal with insurmountable obstacles in our life. But the Lord knows exactly what we will need 10 years from now. And the Lord knew exactly what David would need when he went to the house of God and seen the priest Ahimelech. There it was. There it was. In the midst of his lowest moment, Brother Caleb, in the midst of running from his life, he was hungry, he was tired, he was hurting, he was alone, he was despondent, he was depressed. Everything that could go wrong in David's life was going wrong, and he walks into the house of God, and there it is. It's the sword of Goliath. What that Philistine didn't see This wasn't really about David and Goliath at all. This was about David and Saul. This was about 10 years down the road. The Lord knew that David would be at his lowest place in his life. And God said, I'm going to allow you to kill that uncircumcised Philistine. And I'm going to allow you to walk up there and to pull his sword out of his sheath and to cut his head off. And 10 years down the road at your lowest point in your life, You're going to walk into the house of God, and there it is. There it is. There it is. There's the sword of Goliath, David. There's your reminder of where I brought you from. There's your reminder of what I've done for you. The Lord knows exactly what you need today. There's your reminder. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He did it once. He'll do it again. Come on, the Lord delivered you once. The Lord will deliver you again. It's just a different enemy. It's just a different enemy. The Lord knew then what you would need now. The Lord knew then exactly what you would need now. I'm just going to keep on lifting my eyes into the hills. When it's coming, my help, my help coming from the Lord's made the heavens and the earth. Come on, in your lowest moments, God's going to use the sword of Goliath to remind you, I delivered you once, I'll deliver you again. I was able to do it once, I'm able to do it again. This is just a different enemy. This is just a different obstacle. This is just a different time. I'm still the deliverer today. It's the sword of Goliath. It's what that Philistine could not see This wasn't really a ruddy boy that he was messing with. It was God's anointed. This was about the plan and the kingdom of God. This was about 10 years down the road when David, God's a man after God's own heart, would walk into the house of the Lord. And the Lord needed that sword to get David through that obstacle. Let me tell you something. What you've gone through your life is the reason why you are where you are today. May God ever serve as a reminder. May God keep reminders in your life that he was able to deliver you then and he's able to deliver you now. In your lowest moments, God is going to use the sword of Goliath to remind you, I delivered you once, I'll deliver you again. 
Stand with me as the musicians come quickly. Church, what that Philistine did not see was that God knew that David needed that sword to remind him what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve today. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve today. He's a deliverer. Somebody turn to your neighbor today and say, he's a deliverer. He's a deliverer today. What a mighty God we serve. I guarantee you, church, I guarantee you today, every time David looked at that sword, he said, God's hand is not short. God's hand is not short. Every time, I guarantee you, every time David looked at that sword, he said, he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll go all the way with me even unto the end. I guarantee you every time David looked at that sword, he said, God's ear is not deaf. He hears me when I cry. He hears me when I cry. Come on, the Lord hears me when I call upon his name. The Lord's ear is not deaf today. So he wrote the psalm, Psalm 18. He said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. He's my buckler. He's the horn of my salvation. He's my high tower. I will call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy. Who is worthy. Who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. David said the sorrows of death compassed me. The sorrows of death compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. But in my distress, praise God, in my distress, at my lowest moment, in my moment of weakness, when I was hungry, when I was broken, when I was lonely, when I was tired, when I was depressed, I called upon the name of the Lord. He sent me the sword of Goliath to remind me. He delivered me once. He'll deliver me again. Praise God. Are you thankful today we serve a delivering God today? Are you thankful we serve a delivering God today? David said, He delivered me from all mine enemies. Yea, though thou hast liftest me up above those that rise up against me, thou hast delivered me from the violent man. What the Philistine did not see was he was messing with the priest of God. He was messing with a man after God's own heart. What he didn't realize, the Lord needed that sword to lift up the heart of his man a decade later when he walked into the house of God. Church, I come to tell you today, the Lord did it once. He's able to do it again. May the Lord remind you just where he brought you from today. May the Lord remind you how he touched your body. May the Lord remind you how he touched your mind. May the Lord remind you how he brought you out today. It's the sword of Goliath. It's what that Philistine could not see. You are God's anointed today. You are God's anointed today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you today. The Spirit of God is living inside you today. You are God's anointed. And the Spirit of the Lord wants to bless you. But you need this sometimes the sword of Goliath to remind you just where the Lord has brought you from. Let's lift our hands all over this place today.